Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call Podcast. I am Will Driscoll, the Executive Director of the Hall of Fame, and it is my pleasure to bring Hall Call to you wherever you may be listening. As always, we aim to highlight the individuals, topics, and events that make sports in Virginia so special. Now, one of those events has its turn on the calendar this coming weekend. Whether or not this is the best rivalry can be left up to interpretation and opinion, but it is definitely the state's most well-known rivalry. Of course, I am talking about the Commonwealth Cup football game between the University of Virginia and Virginia Tech. This year's version, though, has a bit extra on the line as the winner will win the Coastal Division Championship in the ACC and play Clemson for the conference championship. To help provide some insight and perspective on this, and maybe even a little bit of history on the rivalry, is a man who has covered this game for over 30 years and a 2014 inductee into the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. David Teal from the Daily Press joins us today on the Hall Call podcast. David, thanks for taking some time for us today. My pleasure, Will. Good morning. Morning to you. Uh, you were actually just in Blacksburg this weekend, a very wet, rainy Blacksburg, but Tech was able to pull out that win, 28 nothing. another revenge game from last year. Uh, t- tell us about the game this weekend that you were just at. Well, Sorry. It, no, no, as, as, as you referenced, the, the Hokies just dominated Pittsburgh, uh, a, a team that had done the same to them last year up, up at Heinz Field. And not only did Virginia Tech win 28 nothing, well, that's the second consecutive shutout for the Hokies. And that makes them the first ACC team since 1978 to shut out consecutive conference opponents in back-to-back weeks. It's really a remarkable accomplishment that comes on the heels of the 45 nothing win down at Georgia Tech, and if you go back to the Wake Forest game the week before that, opponents have not scored on their last 32 possessions against the Hokies. That is an incredible stat. And <laughs> you, know, you mentioned the two shutouts, but a lot of people might forget that the last half of that game against Wake Forest, it, they, they shut them out. So you're talking two and a half games without giving up a point. Now, you look at both of these teams, you know, UVA and Tech, and, and by all standards, by all accounts, both of them have had successful seasons, but they're both eight and three. They kind of got there in different ways, though. Tech, as, as a lot of Tech fans would probably admit, got off to what could be considered a nightmarish start. Even though it was two and two, they could have easily been 0 and four. And then you have Virginia, who got off to a great start, but then had a bit of a month long hiccup in between. Assess where both of these teams are right now heading into this Friday's game. Well, clearly Virginia Tech is peaking. I mean, they they are playing by far their best football of the season. They've won six of their last seven since the two and two start that you referenced, and that two and two start, you know, including a included a bottoming out thirty five point home loss to Duke that really really set the fan base on fire and had had people on DefCon alert. I believe there were pitchforks but, out. <laughs> yes, I, I thought I saw you around the stadium <laughs> that night, but and Virginia started strongly. You know, went to Pitt on on opening night and and won to set the tone for its season. Lost consecutive road games to Notre Dame and Miami, but I don't know that either result shocked anyone. The real hiccup in the Cavaliers' season was was at Louisville, but. You know the, the the Cardinals are seven and four under first year coach Scott Satterfield, and and that's a heck of a rebound for them after last season's two and ten. 
So it, it's not like Louisville is, is a walkover. So the Cavaliers have very quietly, I think, won their last three, took care of business this past Saturday against Liberty in an oddly scheduled non-conference game in the regular season's penultimate week. But here they are, both five and two in the league, both eight and three. And as everyone familiar with this rivalry knows, moving over the entire thing, Virginia Tech has won fifth consecutive games in, in this rivalry. I think I had heard that. Uh, I don't know where I'd heard that, but I'm, I think that <laughs> somebody had made that apparent. Uh, you, you know, again, you look at, they both have the same record, eight and three. But then when you dive into the statistics, defensively and offensively, their yards per game, their points per game allowed and scored are extremely similar. Are these teams as even as the mirror image would suggest? I think they are. And <laughs> And, and not to get too deep into it, but Vegas thinks so too, man. I, mean, I, I, I think it opened up as, as a one-point Hokies uh, favored yesterday, and then I believe it flipped to, to UVA by one. I and, and I think it is. It's a coin flip game. Both teams really uh, have have played well over the course of, of the season. Their stats would tell you defensively, but Virginia's banged up in the secondary, especially having lost its All-America cornerback in Bryce Hall to the year uh, for the year with an ankle injury. And you know, Virginia is very dependent on a mobile quarterback in in Bryce Perkins, and lo and behold perhaps the key to Virginia Tech's turnaround has been its decision to go with a more mobile quarterback in replacing Ryan Willis with Hendon Hooker. So in, in that way, the teams are very similar. It, it's going to be a fascinating game Friday afternoon. I know where everybody is looking forward to it, even if you have no affiliation with the school. It's just the game that means the most here in Virginia. And you, you talked about both of the quarterbacks in Bryce Perkins and Hendon Hooker, and, and we know how important they are. But who is a player on each team that has to do something or should do something if either one is able to come out with the victory? I think you're looking at, at the perim at the perimeter of the offense as well. If you're not talking about the quarterbacks for the Cavaliers, that would be Joe Reed. He's he's versatile. They can they can use him on wide receiver screens. He's excellent in the return game on on kickoffs. And for Virginia Tech, you have both Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson, a freshman from Virginia Beach's Cox High School who have been very effective with jet sweeps these last few weeks, and also Tavion Robinson in the in the punt return game. So those would be my primary candidates. Now, this is the 101st meeting between these two teams. And, and we were talking just a little bit before uh, we started recording this, that this is the third time that a, a Coastal Division championship has been on the line. 2007 and 2011 were the other two. But where does this game rank as overall significance in the history of this rivalry? I think it's right up there. And the, both teams aren't ranked. I mean, the Hokies are, the Cavaliers aren't. We've, we've had games between these two, two programs where both have been in the top 25 and even in the top 20. But as, as you referenced, 2007 and 2011 were winner-take-all for the Coastal. And the winner of this game is almost certainly will 
to be the ACC's Orange Bowl representative. And that's significant. I mean, Virginia has only been in what you would call a major bowl, you know, that orange, sugar, cotton, fiesta mode. The alliance, the BCS, whatever you want to call it, 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 that that major bowl group. Mm -hmm. Virginia has been to one of those games, and that was the 1990 Sugar Bowl against Tennessee. Virginia Tech has, has been to many more. But so much, so much on the line, especially for the Cavaliers, given the streak, and given that Virginia has never won the Coastal Division since the league split in 2005. Now you're pretty close to both of these programs. I mean, you've been covering ACC for for since the mid '80s, and but you, you being here in Virginia, you're obviously closest to UVA and Tech. How much does the 15 game streak play on both sides of of the I guess the mental? aspect going into this game for Virginia Tech as well as UVA. UVA wants to be the one to break it, but these Virginia Tech players don't want to be the ones to snap it. I'll give you I'll give you two examples of how much this means to the respective programs. Number one, it's referenced on the cover of Virginia Tech's media guide. You don't think they tout it? Right <laughs> I would say so. It's right there. And if you walk into the offices at the University of Virginia in, in, the, in the football office, plastered across all the big screens all season long, beat tech. Mm. I mean, this rivalry looms over the entire season for both programs. And that's great. I mean, that is a wonderful thing for us to have here and that we do have this high profile rivalry, but that it does mean so much as fans. We always know it matters to the fans. And I think from a fan's perspective, the thing that you want most is that it matters to the players as well. Uh, you want them to share in that same kind of fanaticism uh, with you. Um, but, you know, kind of looking through the you, you, you almost alluded to it here with what Virginia Tech did on the on the cover of the media guide. But there are obviously rivalries littered throughout college football, and, and a lot of them happened this weekend. Ohio State, Michigan being probably the most high profile and to the point that Ohio State will take the M's out of certain words or they won't even mention the word Michigan, you know, in the run up to that game. Is there anything the school up north? That's right? the school up north. That's right. Is there anything currently or that you've seen in the past that has kind of added a little bit of extra um, gasoline to the fire between these two teams and how they approach each other and how they kind of uh, talk about each other? The, the talk has been tempered. In, in recent years, but you want to go back farther and yeah, there, there would be bulletin board material emanating from both Blacksburg and Charlottesville. The coaches do their best to really get on their players and say, just, and now, especially with, with social media and such, you know, just be careful what you tweet, be careful what you put on Instagram I believe it was earlier this year when uh, one of the because UVA has this post game ritual where after a win, the star of the game takes a sledgehammer and breaks the rock, and it just it's a symbol that Bronco Mendenhall has used since since he arrived, and really it's a paver is is what they use. And I guess earlier this year, Bryce Perkins did the honors. And Oscar Bradburn 
a punter from Virginia Tech responded on social media, you know, hope he didn't fumble the uh, the sledgehammer in reference to Perkins losing a fumble in overtime last year at Lane Stadium to end the game. <laughs> And that really set off the Virginia faithful on Twitter. So the players are very well aware of this rivalry, regardless if they're from Virginia or not from Virginia. Playing and putting those jerseys on, they understand the uh, the true significance of this. That's a uh, that's really funny to to hear and see. Um, we're going to kind of take a, a little bit go and go backwards here. But four years ago, both of these programs underwent a refresh. You know, with with the Hokies hiring Justin Fuente to replace legendary coach Frank Beamer, and and Bronco Mendenhall hired by Virginia to pretty much revive the program. Uh, the results uh, haven't changed. I mean, well, the results have changed for both of them, but overall, how would you assess uh, each of their job performances? And I guess what I meant to say was the results haven't changed in this game. Virginia still hasn't beaten Tech, but overall, now almost four seasons into both of their tenures, uh, how would you classify both of their job performances? Well, I'm not sure anyone, uh, Virginia fan or otherwise, would have thought that in year four, Bronco Mendenhall <clears throat> would have the program on the cusp of a coastal division title. And the, the, the progress has been steady, you know, two and 10 to four and eight to six and seven, you know, two and 10 the, the, the year before two and 10 is first year, then six, four and eight, six and seven, then eight wins last year. And now they're already at eight maybe looking at nine, maybe looking at 10, who knows? So it, it, it's been a steady trajectory for the Cavaliers. Whereas Justin Fuente, who became only the second coach in college football history, the other being Jimbo Fisher, to inherit a program that had been to 20 plus consecutive bowls. I mean, you're expected to just pick off, pick up where the other guy left off. And so he did. In 2016, his, his rookie year at Virginia Tech, Justin Fuente is the ACC Coach of the Year. The Hokies win the Coastal and give eventual national champion Clemson all at once in the ACC title game. Hokies had a little bit of a slip the, the, the following year, didn't, didn't win the Coastal, but still you know, came, came back and uh, won, I believe, I think it, they ended up winning eight or nine games. And then this in 2018, that's when and they were very lucky to beat Virginia, ended up six and six, lost to Cincinnati in the military bowl. That was the program's first losing season since 1992. And that's when folks started stirring a little bit because they're spoiled. And then you add the two and two star on top of it. And folks were really, really getting concerned. And now of course, they're like, oh, this is great. And now let's win, you know, win, win for the 16th straight time and go off to the ACC title game. Well, a lot so of times, in oh, all, go ahead. No, in all, I, I, I think both coaches have have done outstanding jobs. Well, it, you know, the the old adage, particularly when it comes to replacing a longtime coach, is you never want to be the guy to follow the guy. You want to be the guy who follows the guy who followed the guy. And and Fuente, I think, has done a good job. But speaking of two of those guys. You know, recent history, we know what the recent history is, 15 straight. But there was a period of 14 seasons where you had two Hall of Fame coaches squaring off each year, Frank Beamer and George Welsh. And I believe Welsh was eight and six in those 14 games. 
uh, which was about as even as you could get. Uh, you know, they were always in the in the bowl mix. Virginia Tech a little bit more on the major bowl side, but you mentioned UVA was in the mix for some of those major bowls. Did the game or atmosphere feel different during those 14 years? G- give us a little bit of perspective on that. I don't know if it, if it felt different, but t- to my mind, well, I, I think George Welsh and Frank Beam are, are arguably the two most influential figures literally now in the history of Virginia sports, considering how long they did what they, you know, all the coaching they did at such a high level for such an extended period of time where, you know, Virginia was in the depths and Welsh, you know, took them to heights they never could have imagined. Frank Beamer and his alma mater for, for 29 years. And you're right. They had some epic battles and I, I just feel so fortunate last year on, as we approached the 100th anniversary of, or not the 100th anniversary, but the 100th game of the Tech UVA rivalry, I was able to sit down with Frank in his home and reminisce about those games. And Coach Welsh, whose health was, was declining, and he eventually he passed away shortly thereafter, he, he granted me some time over the phone. He was sharp as a tack, and they both were called specific plays and games. And the mutual respect and admiration that they had for one another was palpable. It was refreshing. And I just felt so privileged to be able to listen to them reminisce. I remember growing up in Norfolk, uh, one of the things I used to love about watching that game in the 90s particularly uh, is that I thought both of those coaches did an extremely good job. They were very diligent in recruiting the state. And I think that that also added another layer to it. And just watching from Norfolk, I could say, oh, you know, there's that guy from from here. I, I know that town. I know that high school. And I think that that just added a completely uh, new layer to it, which, you know, now you have towns and even down to the high school level. They don't know who to root for because they had multiple people representing them. Um, you know, talk about how they were able to really get Virginia, the, the state behind this game. Oh, they absolutely were. And, and who were the the most essential recruits that elevated those programs under Coach Welsh and Coach Beamer. You, you go back, Terry Kirby and Chris Slade from Tab High School here in Hampton Roads. They were the ones that really elevated UVA and said, you know, hey, you know, here are national caliber guys in the state that Virginia was to keep home. And Frank Beamer has long said, that the biggest recruit that really kickstarted it for them was Cornell Brown out of Lynchburg's EC Glass High School in the mid nineties. And after Cornell, then it really snowballed. And then you had Michael Vick and Cam Chancellor and Daryl Tapp and just Tyrod Taylor, you know, the, the list goes on and on. And you're right. And, and, and those kids, they all knew one another coming up in, in high school and they they went to their respective schools, and that fueled the rivalry as well. It, it's just so cool to see that, and I hope that both of these coaches, you know, understand the significance of recruiting the state to to one elevate our programs, but but two kind of just keep that rivalry going strong. Uh, we mentioned this is the 101st meeting 
Um, but you've you've covered so many of these games. Looking back, if you had to choose a moment or moments uh, that defines this game uh, in in your time covering it, what would it be? I think it would be the the, the two comebacks, one for each side. Will and I don't have the media guys in front of me to to pick the exact years that that, that it happened. But in, in in Blacksburg, one year, Aaron Brooks, a quarterback from from here. In, in Newport News at, at Warwick, Warwick and Fer, Ferguson High School, he uh, he he brought Virginia back and, and, and threw a late touchdown pass to Ahmad Hawkins uh, to to beat the Hokies in Blacksburg, and then later Jim Druckenmiller uh, returned the favor by uh, by rallying the Hokies at Scott Stadium. Uh, with a late touchdown pass to Jermaine Holmes and, and one of the great second half comebacks that the rivalry has seen. Those two games, um, both in the 90s, uh, really stick out. Well, I know, speaking from a fan standpoint, I hope that we get uh, a game that's worthy of, of 101 meetings this Friday. And, and that's worthy of, honestly, a winner take all uh, you know, matchup going to the ACC Coastal Division champion. I, I hate to put you on the spot. I, I wouldn't say that. I do like to put you on the spot. But if you were writing Saturday's headline today, what do you think it would be? 16 and counting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, all year, it, it's, it's strange. All year long. I have thought that this was the year for UVA and I picked the Cavaliers to win the coastal in preseason and I've been sticking to it, but, but will these last few weeks, the Hokies have been so impressive and so dominant. I mean, their only loss in the last two months was at Notre Dame by one point on a last minute touchdown in a game that the Hokies had to use their backup quarterback, Quincy Patterson, because Hendon Hooker was injured. I mean, they are really, really playing well, and I think they're worthy of their national ranking. And I just think somehow, some way, they're going to get it done. And, of course, that's why they play the game. And we will see you on Friday, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, David, I appreciate you taking some time out. I know you're a very busy man this time of year, and so we definitely appreciate uh, you you've spending a little bit of time with us here on the Hall Call Podcast. And uh, have fun at the game this Friday, and we'll be looking for you on the Daily Press. Thanks, Will. Really can't wait. All right. Thanks, David. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Hall Call Podcast. I'd again like to thank my guest, David Teal, for joining us today to talk Commonwealth Cup football. Check out David David's columns for the Daily Press on dailypress.com. And you can also follow David on Twitter at David Teal at DP. As always, if you like what you heard, please follow and like us on SoundCloud. You can also find the most up-to-date and archived episodes of Hall Call on our website, www.vasportshof.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media for the latest episodes as well. Our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram handles are all at VA Sports HOF. I'd like to thank ESPN Radio 94.1 WVSPFM and our executive producer, Thomas Simmons, for their support. I am Will Driscoll, and thank you for listening to this edition of the Hall Call Podcast.